Are we recording? Yeah. We are? Mm-hmm. Oh. See that red light? I see several red lights. The two red lights are the ones that they indicate you're recording, and then that third one, uh-huh. that's the record light. Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, everyone. Hi, Shannon. Hello. Doing another night pod. Night pod. (laughs) Sexy. Oh, yeah. Later on in this episode, we are continuing for real this time. For realsies. Our mini-series on sobriety and recovery. Mm-hmm. And we're going to continue our journey through the 12 steps. We've gotten through one through four. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll see how far we get today. Go on from there. Awesome. It'll be so nice. I can't wait. No, it's going to be really good. I'm excited uh, with a week's worth of anticipation now Yeah. about this talk. It's going to yeah. be good. Uh, first, we would like to invite you, dear listener, to support the work that we do in the world. Dear listener, comma. Yeah. We're writing you a letter. We are. <laughs> like Dr. We Laura. would like to invite you to support our work. Yeah. <laughs> we have been very good. Our work is very fun. Oh, this is like San- a letter to Santa? Is yeah. that what Or just like if we were in third grade. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, you know, if you've listened to the podcast, you know why. Just, you know, if you haven't been to misfitstars.com slash support yet, maybe consider going. It would be a nice holiday gift for us. Thanks. Oh, yeah. That's really about it. That's it. So, uh, moving on. Do we have any announcements? Uh, announcements, announcements, announcements. Yes, we have an announcement. Okay. I have one, and then you have one. Okay. Okay. My announcement is this. We have our Misfit Stars Zoom meetup happening this week. It's happening Friday. It's an unusual Friday afternoon on the West Coast because it's a holiday weekend. It's Mm -hmm. the day after Thanksgiving here in the United States. And so we voted in our private social network about like when would be a good time to meet and folks said Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. That's 11 p.m. in the UK. How Mm -hmm. nice. We might even actually see some, uh, some folks from across the pond. Perhaps a friend in Ireland and... Maybe another in Liverpool? Mm. Yeah, because it's a time where we can actually all in those time zones gather, which is cool. So uh, if you are a member of Misfit Stars, you've already been sent an invitation to this meetup. Yeah. I have sent you uh, an invitation via the Misfit Stars transmissions newsletter. I've also sent you an invitation inside the private Misfit Stars social network. That's true. Um Both of those places are places where you can find the Zoom link to join us. We're going to be on for three hours. Mm -hmm. Jamie and I will be on the call for three hours. You can come whenever you want. It's like an open house. You can pop in when you want. You can leave when you need to. It's a drop-in. It is. You can stay the whole dang time if you want to. Like, whatever you want. You could click the link like an hour before it starts and be in the waiting room. We don't care. (laughs) You do whatever you like. We'll be there. From 3 to 6 p.m. Pacific That's right. on Friday. Friday, November 26th. So uh, if you'd like to come to that meetup and you're not yet a Misfit Star, mm, misfitstars.com slash join. Yep. That's how you get in. That's it for my announcement. How about you? Okay, I have one also. Okay. It is still personal song season. It and is. we are doing a brisk business in personal songs, yeah. people. Uh, we still have uh, four slots That's right. available mm-hmm. of the 10 that we had sort of earmarked for this time. Uh, you know, we're getting requests. We'll probably start getting deposits from those last few people pretty soon. I mean, maybe. I don't want to push, I don't, I don't want to put pressure on you. <laughs> 
But like, you know, I keep saying like, uh, you know, if you're thinking about doing this, you might want to do it. It's really every week now getting increasingly more urgent because the sign up cutoff for these to like order one and have Shannon do it for you for like in time for Christmas is December 15th, which at this point is only like three weeks away, which I is know. a wild thought. It is wild. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun because we allotted, you know, 10 spots for these over this fall season. And we've entered that period of time where we're starting to deliver ones that are finished, which is super fun uh, because I've, I've, you know, been working on them and uh, you could be on that list. You just need to send me an email to get more information about the pricing and how it works. And you can send that email to Shannon at misfitstars.com and I will gladly send you the information about personal songs. We're going to do another high, uh, spotlight. We're in the middle of our 12 weeks of personal song spotlights um, and spotlight number nine this week. It's I listened to it earlier in preparation for the mm -hmm. podcast, for the spotlight. And I kind of teared up. Like, uh, it's really sweet. Did you make yourself tear up? I, I it was a self-tear up. Well, I hadn't heard it in a couple of years. So it, like, brought me back. And the story Shannon's such a good songwriter, people, that she makes herself no, cry. No, 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 no. God the, damn. The story's really sweet. So I'm going to share it all with you uh, at the end of this first half of the podcast. Can't wait. We sent off a personal song to someone a couple of nights ago. And I just want to oh. read a couple of little bits of her response. Yeah, okay. It was, in all caps, OMG, and then five of the crying emojis. Yeah. And then on another text, God, what a fucking sweet song. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we wrote this song for this woman's daughter. Yeah, it was very, it was a fun project to yeah. work on. Very sweet. Love it. Yeah. Love this. I love the salty language. I know. <laughs> Keeping it very real. <laughs> there was no salty language in the song for her seven-year-old. Imagine if it was littered with <laughs> F-bombs. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, so yeah, personal songs. That's it. Jamie, how are you no, feeling? No, hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. If you want a personal song, like if you want Shannon to make one for you, yeah. just send emails. I, I did. I said that while you were looking at, for that, looking at that comment. I oh, took did care you? of all of that. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. I was looking through you my were... messages to get that comment and I must have missed when you said you, that. Yeah, you did. People to reiterate. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon at MisfitStars.com. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Yes. How you feeling? Great. Super good. I am just kind of cruising along. Things are good. I am having fun at work. I have been learning a new complicated audio software program over uh -huh. the last week. Yeah. And I am sort of, I, I have kind of crested the top of the learning curve. Oh, that's good. Like, as of maybe last night, I really kind of turn a corner, really feel like I can do the things that I want to do mm -hmm. in a way where I feel like I know what I'm doing. Cool. You know, when you learn something new, like the first bunch of times you're doing anything with it, you're like, every, every single thing you do feels like you're screwing it up. Yeah. And you just triple check your work and you still think you probably screwed it up. I can, I'm moving confidently now. Yeah. I'm not like an expert user, but the thing I want to use this software for currently I'm getting okay at doing. That's great. And that feels good because now I can actually do the work that I'm, I need to do with it. Yeah. And that's rewarding because it's mastering a record and it's just, uh, I'm having fun. I'm just having a lot of fun overall. Good. Uh, other than that, other than work-related stuff, I just feel kind of cheerful. I've been mm -hmm. sleeping pretty well, mm -hmm. uh, in a good mood. Good. Doing great. good. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Um, right now, I'm feeling satisfied because we just had dinner. Mm -hmm. It was healthy. It was yummy, hearty, and healthy. Um, I'm feeling, I'm feeling happy mm, right good. now. Yeah, uh, kind of, kind of overall, I've just been feeling, I've just been feeling good. So well, yeah, nothing really to add to that. Just 
A-OK, cruising along. Good. Yeah. Happy to hear it. Why don't we quickly fire up the uh, good news machine? Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go first? Let's fire it up. Yeah, sure. So my good news for the week is that I read the other day, and, and I probably read that this was going to happen, but it's actually going into effect in January. Uh, the, the federal government, the Biden administration, has instituted this new rule that anyone who has a contract that works on a contract for the federal government, so mm-hmm. like private companies that are fulfilling some duty for the federal government on a contract basis, mm-hmm. those companies are going to have to have a $15 minimum wage for all of their employees. Hell yeah. And it goes to, into effect on January 30th, which means it's going to give a raise to something like over 300,000 workers around the country. That's amazing. Which is amazing. So it's one of those things that like, I really wish that the $15 minimum, minimum wage, frankly, I wish it were higher than that because if you were adjusting for the cost of inflation over the last couple of decades, $15 an hour is not even close to a living wage in most places in the country. Totally. So it should be actually higher than that, but... We've been, you know, advocating for a $15 minimum wage, federal minimum wage, which would require any employer to give a minimum of $15 an hour to their workers. It's currently $7.25 and hasn't gone up since what, the 90s? 2000, oh. early 2000s? Forever. Oh, it's been a very long time. Yeah. yeah. So, so obviously that, that kind of, uh, um, thing would require legislation. Like that would have to be go, that would have to go through Congress to become a law. Yeah. This, however, is just something that the administration, the presidential administration can do because they are in charge of setting and carrying out the rules uh, for the people sort of under their purview, like like we're running the government. Yeah. yeah. So in this case, it, it's, it's, it's getting part of the way there. Obviously, there's a whole lot more workers that would benefit all over the country if we could do this through legislation, through Congress and make it a law across the land. But this is one of those levers that the administration can pull to make 300,000 people's lives better. And they're doing it. And they're doing it. So that's great news. Yes, it is. Yeah. I love it. How about you? What's your good news? My good news is sciency in nature. Ooh, let's hear it. And it is actually super exciting to me. Brigham and and Women's Hospital. That's a hospital in Boston. Uh Uh-huh. Very old, very famous hospital. Do they call it Brigham and Women's? Uh Uh-huh. That's a lot to say. Like what? I mean, I could see a case for calling it B and W. Yeah, like what you used to live in Boston. Did they not have like a nickname for this hospital? I don't fucking know. I didn't go to the hospital. (laughs) I was (laughs) twenty. Well, that's good. Yeah, but like, it's a lot to say. It's a big mouthful, you know. Yes. What hospital are they at? Brigham and Women's. Brigham and Never mind. Yeah, exactly. You can't go. (laughs) I can't say it. So what about B? Six syllables is too hard. Tell me about B and W's hospital. Five syllables. What are they doing? Uh, Aside from having a complicated name, (laughs) they have started a clinical trial to test the safety and efficacy of a nasal vaccine for Alzheimer's disease. A vaccine for a Alzheimer's? vaccine for Alzheimer's. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Do you have any idea how this works? I do. Okay. So the vaccine uses uh, an, an intranasal agent called protolin. Okay. And what that does is it stimulates- Protolin? Maybe, I don't yeah, know. I've never heard knows? it said. Protolin. Let's say protolin. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, it stimulates the immune system. Protolin activates white blood cells in the lymph nodes on the sides and back of the neck specifically to migrate to the brain oh. and trigger clearance of beta amyloid plaques, which are the plaques that can contribute to Alzheimer's disease. Okay, so the vaccine initiates a process that clears those plaques out of the way. Yeah, it motivates yeah. some white blood cells in the neck oh. to go up in the brain, 
clear the plaque out. Wow. Yeah. That's freaking cool. So sciencey. That's really cool. When science is working right and you talk about it, it just sounds like magic. When is science working wrong? I don't know. Science is science. I don't think it's moral. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you mean when science is producing like good positive benefits for humanity? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you were to tell me like how you can infect someone with smallpox, I wouldn't be like, oh, that's neat. That's that would be bad science. That's I bad guess. science. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Good. I think there absolutely is a right. moral okay. spectrum well, for science. How you how one uses it for yeah. sure. Yeah. Totally. Science itself, however, wow, sarin gas in a subway, huh? So interesting. But that's more that's the, fun. That's the person doing it, not the science itself. True. Right. Interesting, interesting question. Still don't want to hear it. Anyway, your vaccine news is fantastic. Alzheimer's affects a lot of people. Yes, it does. A lot of people. And it probably always has. It's just that the life expectancy has careened upwards over our lifetimes. So, like, normally, like, there were probably a lot of people who might have had Alzheimer's, but they died at 67, 72. But now everyone's living till 85, right. 90. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so they have that window of time in which it can manifest. Right, right. So interesting. Great news. I love it. It's very exciting. Yeah. So fingers crossed. I mean, it's a tiny, tiny little study. It's like six, it's 16 people. Oh, okay. It's 16 participants between the ages of 60 and 85 with early symptomatic Alzheimer's, but who are otherwise in good health. So really specific sample population. Right. And we're going to see what happens with them. They're going to receive two doses one week apart, and then we'll just wait. And hopefully it has good effects Mm -hmm. and no bad effects. And assuming it does, then they'll grow it and do That's another really bigger trial yeah. and another bigger trial and then we'll get FDA approval and then Yay, we'll science. Well, minimize I mean, Alzheimer's. Assuming it all goes well. Fingers crossed. Yeah, totally. So exciting. Amazing. Great news. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. Yes. So uh, did we get into any adventures over this last no, week? We've been working. Yeah. It's been raining. There's yeah. not much more to report than that. Just worked. We're doing good. Doing good though. But I do have a personal song spotlight that I would love to share before we close out this first part of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so this is week nine of our personal song spotlights. For people who are keeping track at home, check off number nine on your personal song card. I know you're paying attention. You're paying attention. I am. Imagine if someone actually did have a personal song card. be great. Okay. You're like, wait, did you say nine? This one I wrote back in 2018 for a woman. I was, I received this email from a woman who said that her mom's 95th birthday was coming up. And did I have enough time before the birthday to write a song? I think I actually ended up finishing it like on her actual birthday. And then they had the celebration a couple days later. So Mm -hmm. it was like just the perfect timing. Squeaked it in. Yeah. And, um, and so she told me when she wrote that um, that at that age, at 95, she still had all of her mental faculties. She was doing great, um, but she had gone blind over the previous few years. Mm. And, That's right. Um, but it hadn't slowed her down at all. Like she was just still just an amazing Careening woman. Careening around the house, smashing into things. <laughs> no, th- no, but I loved, uh, this is really special. When you're thinking about what to give as a gift to like a 95-year-old, right? Like you might, like- you might think about giving like a photo album or something to them to remember their life or their family or something. Blind. Exactly. So like what a wonderful idea to like give her a song, give her something she can listen to that would honor her life, honor her story. I mean, how cool, right? Like I just, 
that just makes me kind of shiver inside. A like personal thinking about song that. is really like the ultimately accessible gift. It really is. For everyone well, except the hearing impaired. Well, yeah, that's that's a big part of, yeah. In anyway, which case. We're going off topic. We'll just like write something about how cool a personal song is and we'll give it to them on paper because they can read it. Hopefully uh, they're not also blind. Well, okay. We are so far off topic. Yes. <laughs> so um, anyway, this woman, it was, she was turning 95. Um, the, the woman who hired me to write the song for her mom, she told me about how amazing her mom was or is, uh, you know, she, she mentioned that she met, um, her husband when they were teens and they were engaged while he was fighting in world war two Wow! for four years, he was gone at fighting world war two. And they, when he came back from the war, they were married. Um, there's wow. a little bit of, there's a little snippet from a story that she told a little bit more of a detail of that story in the song itself. Um, and so I, I asked her just a bunch of questions about her mom, like I do with, you know, all these interviews. And she she wrote me so many great stories about her mom. Like mm. she obviously, like she really does seem like a really neat lady mm -hmm. um, and had wonderful stories from throughout her life. She had stories from before she was born. So like when her mom was a younger woman mm -hmm. and all the way up through, you know, recent times and stuff. One of the things that she shared with me about when she was a kid was that as how much they loved, how much she loved um, when her mom would read to her at night before bed, that that was like a, a part of their routine as a family. Mm. And so I ended up sort of imagining her life as a chapter book. Uh, and that would be kind of a fun way to sort of tell like snippets of the stories that she shared with me about her mom. And then, and, and also just to kind of like, shared just she said that her mom was just like pervasively positive you know and mm -hmm. and and just it was someone who loved laughter and so like we could tell those stories um but sort of hung on this theme of it being sort of like a chapter book and um and so the song is called one more chapter mm. and let's play it for you now and i can tell you what she thought of it when we were done all right sounds good one more chapter
for lemonade and stayed for life. The scenes where they walk holding hands, the sand you can still. Appeared like they do on the path. Just one more chapter, please. I'm not yet ready for sleep, and when I Every single one of these that we play for the personal song spotlight series, it yeah. finishes and there's a little pause. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the whole point of personal songs, right? Like is yeah. to get an awe reaction from especially the person who it's for. Mm-hmm. Like this, this one, I, when I listened to it earlier, I was just thinking about, you know, this woman giving this to her 95 year old mom and, yeah. you know, like her mom was probably nearing the end of her, I mean, she was nearing the end of her life, you know, like people. Yeah, probably not probably. Don't live forever. Like the word, like she was probably thinking we are lucky to be getting, getting to celebrate this birthday with her. Who knows how many more we're going to have, you know? And I was thinking about like, just one more chapter, please. You know, like, hmm. like the last moments of sharing her mom's life and just what, I don't know. It was just very sweet. And it made me like, <laughs> like seriously tear up when I listened to it earlier because I'm such a zap. Anyway, she loved it. The woman loved it. She's She just sent a brief message back to me saying, words cannot express my gratitude. It's perfect. Absolutely wonderful. You captured her. Thank mm. you. So that was, it was such a special thing to get to be involved on that, in that with her. Yeah. It was really cool. It's neat for me even just to be peripherally involved, you know? Yeah. Um, because, you know, I, what I try to do on my end, so my role is I just mix them, right? So right. I take the recordings that you've made mm-hmm. and I just balance out the, the sounds and do mm-hmm. whatever treatments I think would help communicate the emotion. But there is some stuff that I can do there, you know? For um, sure. And, you know, like this one, like I really felt like there was, I, I felt like I really nailed like the, the vocal compression, which I recognize <laughs> is like, 
a pretty nerdy thing to talk about. It's your job. That's like what you do. But compression for the layperson is it's what like controls the dynamics of a vocal performance. Because if you just like sing out into a room, it might sound really natural and good and great. But like when you put a microphone in front of it and record it, you might notice later that some of the notes you've recorded are too like louder than they should be. Some of them get a little bit lost. And when you compress it, you're literally just compressing the dynamic range. You're narrowing the dynamic range so the loud notes don't aren't too loud and the quiet notes aren't too quiet and right. it always sits in the right place. Yeah. But it's possible if you do that wrong to make the performance sound lifeless, to sort of squeeze, to compress the life out of it. Yeah. And this to me sounded just perfect. Like it still soared when it needed to soar, but it was controlled. And it was intimate when it needed to be intimate. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it really felt like it delivered on those. And so technically, like the technical judge is like, (laughs) good job, Jamie. Yeah. feel very proud about that. The technical judge is also named Jamie. I know, yeah. right? But hey, he, he, he is the most critical judge. Of, that is true. Of my work. That is 100% yeah. true. Very, very harsh judge. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening to that spotlight. People, you can get one of these for a loved one in your life. Uh, if you have a 95-year-old grandma or mom, like, oh my gosh, get her a personal song. It could be that special. Mm. But, uh, you know, just this week, we have been working on personal songs for a... Uh, for a mom to give to her seven-year-old, for a husband to give to his uh, new wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have them on deck for a variety of different situations, yeah. from mi- women to men, from men to women, from older people to younger people, from younger to old. Yeah. There's <laughs> so many situations that you could get a song written about. <laughs> it's really special. Yeah, these are not just love songs. I mean, they are all love songs. They're all love songs. They're not all romantic love songs. Yes, that's you know right. What I mean? Like they're all expressing love in one way or another. Um, And if there's somebody in your life that you want to express your love for in this really like special, unique way, Mm -hmm. very like long lasting, like a song will be with you forever. It'll be with them forever. You know, we can do that. Just send me an email. S, uh, excuse me, Shannon at misfitstars.com. That's where you can get me. And I'll send you the information about the pricing and the process, and we will get to work. It is so cool. Yeah. We hope we get to do a personal song with you. Yeah. So why don't we take a quick break, and then when we get back, we will dive into the 12-step stuff. Yeah, I can't wait. All right, back in a sec. Cool. We're all here. Yep. Mm-hmm. Present and accounted for. Shannon's on the couch. I'm in the blue chair. <laughs> right where we're supposed to be. That's right. So, finally, now that we have the COVID boosters out of our system. Yeah, so we intended to get do this section of the steps last week, but like literally mid-podcast, we're like, I feel a little bit out to lunch because of that COVID booster shot. Yeah. Uh, Hit me like a damn truck. Yeah, so... Hey, you the next day. We pushed pause. Yeah, it did. Mine yeah. was more a little bit more delayed. What was your weirdest COVID symptom or your weirdest booster symptom? Um, my weirdest one? Yeah. I don't know if I had a weird one. It was, I just I felt a, a little bit one. run down. Yeah. Um, I didn't ever, I had an achy, but that wasn't weird. I kind of expected that from my second shot. So I'll tell you what my super weird uh, COVID 
booster shot symptom was. What? Oh, yeah. I <laughs> spontaneously felt a little bit later Tuesday night, like after we had stopped doing podcast time and we were at that point just kind of being useless, I think maybe watching a movie or something, not much energy, energy to do much else. All of a sudden, I felt as though I had badly sprained my thumb. On the same side that you had the shot, yep. right? So I was in the same arm. Yep. Was your arm sore? Nope. Just your thumb. I mean, the, the injection site was sore, like yeah. right where I got the shot. That's normal, you yeah. know? Uh, but my thumb felt and still somewhat feels as though I had badly, badly sprained it. And you didn't, like, injure it earlier that day? No. I want to clarify, I had not sprained my thumb. Yeah. It... <laughs> I just hadn't done that. There was just some I would have noticed. achiness built up in your thumb joint. It, yeah, it's it, and it still feels like that. Or like if I try to like use the anterior muscles, like push up with my thumb, it, like it hurts still right That's now. So and if I grip, if I squeeze something, interesting. like if I squeeze my thumb yeah. to the palm of my hand, it hurts like deep inside the thumb muscle, like deep in, interiorly. Okay. It's so weird. Like there's part of me that was like, that wants to say like, there's just, that doesn't make sense as a symptom from a booster shot, but also there, there's not another explanation. So my second weirdest COVID <laughs> booster shot symptom <laughs> was that I, for about two days uh -huh. had a perfectly circular pink mark spanning my elbow, sort of from my upper arm to my lower arm, about the inner part of your elbow, inside elbow, about uh, right across the seam there, across that crease. Uh huh. Half it on one side, half it on the other. A perfect circle, about three inches in diameter, pink. Interesting. That's so not where I got the shot. Weird, but same arm as same arm. as the injection. That's really strange. Yeah, and again, I didn't do some weird thing that would have caused that. Like I, I'm just not in a place that right now where I'm doing weird things. Like weird. I'm not. I'm not doing like we're not. We're doing construction or something where no, I just might randomly no, no, sustain no. an injury. I'm not wielding a hammer. I'm not like screwing things I in do or out. Really like the idea though of just uh, like whatever you want to blame on being a COVID booster symptom. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you could just say that like. Sorry, I'm I I'm being a jerk today. I'm in a bad mood. COVID booster. Yeah. <laughs> or I like, mean that's reasonable. <laughs> that would actually be very reasonable. Because the you're symptoms feeling suck. Sick, sure. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking like if you yeah. can use it as an excuse yeah. for something. Shoplifting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I just got my COVID booster. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Yeah. Let go of me. <laughs> well. We're clearly uh, over our COVID booster symptoms, except for your thumb. Yeah, feeling fine now, except for the thumb. But we're back on I've track. Got, I've got booster thumb. <laughs> oh, no. We'll have to check in next week, oh, see if I have booster thumb. Gosh. I'm not sure what's up with that. We are so back on track, though, with the steps, and I'm very excited about that. Yeah, um, same so do you want to do like a, did you have in mind like, like a brief recap of steps one through four, since we have... Yeah, you know, I'm just going to read them just okay. so we remember. Uh, and honestly, people, like, if you want to look up the steps and, like, read along, you can just do a search online for AA 12, 12 steps. steps. And I do site colon AA.org just so I get it from the AA website because I'm keeping it real. You yeah. Know? Oh, sure. But you can find the 12 steps anywhere. They're not hard to find. Uh, and <laughs> if you need to get current with the discussion yeah. that we had of steps one through four, just listen to two weeks ago's episode. Mm -hmm. And and if you are just tuning in to this mini series about sobriety and recovery and you're like, wait, 
the steps, where does, what's all this about? We have many weeks now in this mini series dating back to like the end of September uh, where we started talking about our experiences with recovery and sobriety. And so you could just go binging on Thanksgiving weekend here and catch up. Go to misfitstars.com slash listen. That's misfitstars.com slash listen. And scroll down to the origin story episodes. We each have one. They're yeah. sequential. And just listen forward from there. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. So, so let's just talk about steps one through four. Really, okay. when I say talk about, I'm just going to quick run Read. through them again. Okay. So step one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. And sub in for alcohol. Yeah. Any. That's it. Any symptom. And so like if you're in like Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, right? SLAA. If you're in that program, it would be, we admitted we were powerless over Sexy feelings. Right. I'm not sure. I haven't been to that program. <laughs> it probably doesn't say sexy feelings. But if no, you're oh, yeah. anonymous, it's we admitted we were powerless over food, et cetera. You know, you just like sub in. I think for uh, for your program, it's we were powerless over people, right? I believe that's what we what we said, yes. Yeah, right. Oh, powerless over others was the, the, the language. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. cool. So uh, that's it. So we step one, it's just admitting that you were powerless over the symptom that you have, over the thing that you use to fill the hole that's inside of you, right? Uh, And it's just like with anything that's wrong with you, like you've got to diagnose it properly before you can get to fixing it. Right. That's like why the, like when you first go to see the doctor, the first thing they do is they figure out what precisely is wrong with you. Right. Because they can't treat you until they know exactly what the problem is. And this is Mm -hmm. nothing different. It's just getting really specific with yourself. And there's another part to it, which is the admitting. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, being able to say out loud to another person that mm-hmm. I am powerless over alcohol. Once you can do that, once you can make that mm-hmm. admission, then you can do the rest. Right. But until you do it, you can't move forward. Right. Yeah. So that's step one. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Uh, there's a big discussion about this two weeks ago, uh, and I'm not going to rehash that discussion here, but suffice to say, power greater than ourselves it is a higher power of our own understanding mm. and choosing. It can mm-hmm. be just like whatever the hell you want. Like I had a friend when I first got sober who their higher power was just like this tree. They had a tree in Golden Gate mm. Park. It was like this big, huge, really old, like 10 foot diameter tree. Mm. And they just felt like it had this special calming influence over them. And That's they, amazing. They would sit under it to write out their step work. Amazing. You know what I mean? It's just the idea that you're not driving the bus, that you're not in control of every goddamn thing in the world. Because the you know heart, what? You're not. At the heart of any addiction or any struggle from which one can recover with these 12 steps is control. Yep. And so that step really is about taking yourself out of the driver's seat. Like That's it. It's... it's it's ironically taking yourself out of the driver's seat, taking yourself out of this controlling mentality in order to do work that's going to give you real agency in your life. Yeah. Really. Really true. Yeah. So that's step two. Uh, step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And again, God as we understood him, it's just that metaphor, right? It's that metaphor for the idea, again, that we're not in control. We have control issues. We are relinquishing that control and we are just doing what other people tell us for a change. (laughs) Hard to do. We're doing what other people are are telling us to do for change. Those other people being folks who have done this work and had success in their own lives. Yes. (laughs) Like it's, it's not just a random group of people. These are people that we were like, hey, they have what I want. How do I do that? Oh, you have to listen to them. Yeah. This program has been passed down orally for uh, about 90 years. Yeah. From person to person to person. Cool. You know? So cool. Like I had a 
sponsor when I first did these steps. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. You do it with a yeah. sponsor. My sponsor had a sponsor. That person had a sponsor. Yeah. That person had a sponsor. Going back to the 30s. Yeah. That's how this has worked. It's just been handed down mm-hmm. from person to person. And so that's what step three is about. It's really about just affirming that you are willing to take your hands off the steering wheel mm-hmm. and take direction from other people mm. in hopes of getting better. Yeah. That's what that's about. It's got God language. Don't let it scare you. And if you want to hear a lot more discussion of why, listen to the episode from two yeah. weeks ago. Uh, step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Not of other people. <laughs> <laughs> Not all the stuff that other people have done wrong to us that makes us miserable and drives us to drink. No. <laughs> and because, you know, in all serious, like Shannon says it in a jokey way, but no, that, I know. that's what a lot of people think like an, a moral inventory is. Mm. It's like listing all the ways people have fucked you over. Yeah. And you know what? I'm sure they have. Yeah. That's really not your business, Mm -hmm. which is a weird thing to say. But in context of getting better, Mm -hmm. you're just looking for your part. Right. And sometimes in a situation where someone legitimately did fuck you over, your part might only be that you clung to that relationship for too long or that you had expectations that weren't reasonable to have of that situation Mm -hmm. or that person. You know, Mm -hmm. there will be something that you contributed to the situation, even if it was just basically a drive-by. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you are just looking for your part in things. Right. That's all step four is about. We had a great sidebar conversation with a listener who emailed us about this issue because we were talking about the idea that like, you know, there are people who have who are victims of trauma, you know, that mm-hmm. are real victims and really like like there is no there is no part for them to claim responsibility for in that initial event. Yeah. Right. Um, that is, there, there's no, there's no fault, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. for folks who are victims of abuse or, you know, uh, uh, well, there's lots of, lots of things you can fill in the blank there with. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's important to, to recognize that, um, and and the sidebar conversation was like, how do you sort of define what your part in something like that is? You mm-hmm. know, because really, you know, if if somebody did something horrible to you, you know, is like thinking you would never you would never blame a child who's been victim of a, of a traumatic situation or abuse of being at fault for yeah. that, right? Like that's obviously not what right. we're talking about here. And we had a great conversation. There was a uh, I've heard Glennon Doyle say this phrase that really helped helps me sort of like put this in perspective like mm-hmm. the things from which I need healing like this may not be my fault but they are my responsibility like yeah. as we grow into our lives we become adults or we like move on from that traumatic event whatever it is even if it's not in childhood right like a trauma can happen at any time mm-hmm. you know the the incident may not have been our fault but it is now our responsibility to figure out how to heal from it. Like yeah. we can't we can't outsource that. Yeah. You know, that and so sometimes our part is just an acknowledgement that we've got to do something about it. Yeah. You know what it's I mean? It's so true. And also like stopping with the poor me's. Right. You know, because mm-hmm. it is entirely mm. possible to get caught up permanently in like a run out right. groove. Yeah. Like you know how like if you have a record that does, a record player that doesn't have an automatic return at the end of the side and you just let it go, it'll just sit in that run out groove and it'll just spin. It goes. Yeah. 
It's that, gro- it's that yeah. groove that connects to itself, <laughs> and it'll go. It'll do that for eternity. Yeah. And it's possible to get stuck in a run-out groove of poor me's about a situation like this, you know, mm-hmm. where like it's not my fault. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. Are the three most useless mm-hmm. words in the entire world? Oh man, they do right. literally nothing for you, and. What, but, except for bad things. Right, right. right. They do nothing positive for you, right. but what they do for you is something affirmative but very negative, mm-hmm. which is give you a temporary justification for not dealing with your shit. Right, right. And as we're going to probably cover as we continue through the steps, a lot of what we do, people, folks who are in need of recovery do is hang on to resentments yeah. way too long. Yeah. <laughs> and and the, the statement, it's not fair, is just like, that's the that's the root of resentment right like it just keeps you in that mindset rather than looking for what it is that you can do to move yourself forward yeah and you know what it's it surely isn't fair whatever the thing is is definitely not fair yeah but you know what it not being fair and two dollars will get you on the train (laughs) like it just doesn't fucking matter if it's fair or not yeah the point is totally not whether it's fair the point is how are you feeling about it? You feeling good? Yeah. Yeah? No? Mm-hmm. Not feeling good? Mm-hmm. Well, you better do something about it. Mm-hmm. Because just being like, it's not fair. Well, great. Okay. Yeah. It's not fair. You still feel like shit. Yeah. So you haven't done anything. Right. So now you've come around that one out, run out groove one right. time. Right. So how many times are you going to do that in your and life? And the feeling like shit is the stuff that makes you do the things that make you feel more like shit. That the, this is the reason you've landed in recovery. And that's how you, that's that <laughs> circular loop. Yeah. You know? And yeah. like, you got to make the choice to break that loop. That's right. really what it is. Right. Like you can you can live in self pity and poor me's literally forever, and you can die miserable. Mm. And people do. Mm-hmm. But we would like to encourage you not to do that. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Well, That's what we're getting at here. Yeah, and we're here to say we're a couple of people who have experienced this yes. and done this work in our lives, and it has really actually set us free. Oh my gosh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. It turns out like you don't have to feel like that. You don't have yeah. to just be a unreconstructed, broken ball of resentments and shame. Like mm. it turns out you don't have to live your whole rest of your life like that. No. You don't have to live another moment more like that That's if you don't want to. Right. You just have to affirmatively want not to feel like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean a passive wanting. I mean an affirmative mm. wanting where you're doing something. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know? So we have now gotten current. That's steps one through four. So let's start with step five. Sounds great. So step five. Step five. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Mm. So, I mean, it's a short little sentence. It's what, 12 words? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot going on. It hurts, man. There's a lot going on here. (laughs) So, I mean, there's a lot going on structurally. Yeah. And there's a lot going on in terms of what's going on here. So let's unpack this piece by piece, Okay. okay? So... First of all, first clause, admitted to God. As we understood him. As we understood him. And it's so important that we got to get that in there every Mm -hmm. single time, right? And that is an understood thing. And again, if you need to hear a much longer discussion about what God means in these programs, uh, just listen to the episode from uh, from November 10th. Long story short, it's not religious. Mm -hmm. It is just the idea that we're not in control. It's admitting to the universe. Right. Uh, Sub in whatever word you need to. Yeah. Admit to the tree. Like whoever it is, whatever it is, the tree, if it's a tree in Golden Gate Park, admit it to the tree. Yeah. The point is, you're whispering it to the universe. You know how Mm. uh, sometimes the very 
first, this is almost exactly like Shannon's record from two years ago. I'm just realizing, holy shit, right? Because like, <laughs> that's probably not a coincidence. She's has recovery, no. right? But like, here's the deal. Like the very first thing you do when you're thinking about doing something, thinking about making a change, the first thing you do is you just like think it out loud in your mind. Mm-hmm. And that's admitting it to God. You're talking about the song, like maybe bending the atmosphere. Yeah, I am. That's exactly uh-huh. it. Yeah. yeah. So like, if you think of it as a three-step process, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, mm-hmm. right? Like those are the three steps to putting a plan into action, mm-hmm. if you think about it, mm-hmm. right? And so that's all this is. For admitting to God is just like whispering into the universe, this little first whisper of intentionality about like, you know, here is this thing I want to talk about. And then to ourselves, right? So like the first thought is almost an unconscious thought. Yeah. To ourselves, mm-hmm. That's when you like really are acknowledging it to yourself, but that still mm-hmm. is an internal thing. The third part to another human being, mm-hmm. that is doing all of the heavy lifting in this sentence. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's interesting, like in that same conversation with that person who messaged us, uh, you know, uh, they asked us, uh, she asked us, um, you know, I, I've done so much work with my trauma therapist and support work. Uh, do you think I could do, uh, do you think I could do the steps by myself? Right, And I was like, you know, no, no, you can't. <laughs> you can't why. do it. And yeah. here's why. Uh, because the, the doing of them with another person is where all of the power in the steps comes from. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just sitting and reading and thinking and doing stuff by yourself. Mm-hmm. As so- but you know how it is. It's like as soon as you say something out loud out of your mouth to another human being. Yep. It becomes much bigger. It becomes real. It becomes real. Mm-hmm. You know, like you. There's can, accountability. As soon as it. you speak it to somebody else, there's accountability in the equation. Yeah. As long as you've only said it to yourself, you can change your mind, change course. You can like, and yeah. and you can, and when you do that, you're going to feel more shame, and you're going to get back into your old patterns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but by saying it out loud, you have instant accountability. By it is it is it has been said. Yeah. It is a it is a a line drawn in the sand, you yeah. know? And you can't come back. It's a yeah. one-way line. Yeah. So, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, right? So that's the sum total of how you're engaging around the, the, the second part of the sentence, which is the exact nature of our wrongs. Mm-hmm. Wrongs is kind of an old-fashioned, heavy-handed way to say this, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. It sounds a little judgy. How else would you say it? Uh, you know, I, that's a great question. Uh, mistakes, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. maybe mistakes feels a little less judgy. I don't know. But I mean, wrongs is a fine way to do it. It's, it's, it's what they wrote and it has been working for people. Sure. So we'll go with it. But I just want, I, the point is more that I really want to underscore that we're yeah. not, no one's judging anybody here. Right. It's right. more that you're trying to be really honestly critical of your own behavior, you know? Right. And critical in a non-judgmental way. Right. Just critical in the idea of like putting a microscope on something, mm-hmm. you know? Like when you're critical about like the job somebody has done, like say you hired a contractor, mm-hmm. you know, you might like walk around with a magnifying glass and look at all of the seams on the thing that they have done. That's being critical. You might end up being very approving of it. It's not a value judgment. I see. What you you're know saying. what I mean? Uh-huh. It just means looking at very closely with a critical eye, with a cr- like with a close eye. Yes, yeah. that's mm-hmm. it, uh, and that's all it really means. Um, so, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Mm-hmm. So important that we focus on the idea of it being the exact nature. We're not being vague here. As We're opposed not, to what? Yeah. As opposed to just like 
kind of glossing over stuff. Because like, if you're vague about something, it's easy to elide details. Yes. It's easy to step over little details that might unearth other little character defects that you have mm. that you applied to that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, That's why like, when you do that fourth step, and again, if you want to hear the discussion about this, it's an episode <laughs> from two weeks ago. But when you make that moral inventory of, mm-hmm. of, of yourself and your own behavior, like it's, it's a four-column thing. Yeah. It's who, who am I feeling resentful to? toward or mad toward or just negative in some way toward what did they do uh like what what was the situation what was threatened in me so it was like my finances my relationship my job what was it Mm -hmm. you know uh what was their part in it what was my part in Mm -hmm. it right and then you get rid of the what was their part in it (laughs) it's helpful to write it down but then you get rid of it because it's not your business that's their side of the street now we're dealing only in this program with our side of the street you know because we can't control other people Right. Control people. Remember, <laughs> that's like the whole thing. That's why you don't think about other people's roles and stuff. Yeah. You think about your own because it's what you can control is you. So when you talk with your sponsor, like through your fifth step, all you're doing is you're literally going line by line down your four step inventory right. and just sharing it with your sponsor. Sharing that's all that this fifth step is. Your part. Yeah. You're talking about what this, you go through all the columns. You're like, mm-hmm. here's what the situation was. And you can, you can explain it longer than like the shorthand sure. you've written it out, you yeah. know, and you can really talk and you should talk through it at length. Mm-hmm. You're like, here's what the situation was. Here's how it went down. Here's how I felt about it. Here's what I think they did. I understand it doesn't matter. Here's what I did. Here is my part in it. Here's what I think I could have done better, mm-hmm. you know? And you just talk down your whole list that way. And the more, and here's why it's so important to be precise about it. Because what you're doing here is a house cleaning, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so think about like when you're actually like cleaning your real house. <laughs> if you do a vague general house cleaning, what you're left with is lots of little bits of dust in the corners and stuff like that. So it's actually not really clean. Right. You still have little messes in places. Or maybe you have like a pile of something that you're like, oh, that looks kind of neat. I'm not going to deal with it. But if you were to pick up that pile and clean it, you'd notice that there was dust underneath it and that needed addressing too. So like the stuff that you're unearthing may unearth other things. And like you you need a deep cleaning. Yes, you you do. You need to get all the way in. Yeah, you got to lift every pile of books. You got to get all the way back like behind the furniture to the baseboards, every (laughs) single place. Yeah. You've got to really, really be thorough because anything that you leave behind... Like, so now imagine that like in a real house cleaning, like if you left some dust under the couch, imagine that dust could kill you. (laughs) Well, that's, uh, seriously. Yeah, well, yeah. That's like what this is like because anything that you are not thorough completely thorough about Mm -hmm. in excavating this stuff Mm -hmm. will just linger there because it's not until you speak it out of your mouth to another person that you're free of it because like that, that's what, that's the other thing. That's the other reason Mm -hmm. you got to do this with another human being. Mm -hmm. It's because as soon as you share it with somebody else, now it's no longer a secret. Right. Our secrets are what make us sick. Oh my gosh. That is like, you know how AA has a million sayings? That's one of them. Yeah. We are no sicker than our secrets, mm-hmm. right? Meaning if you don't have any secrets, you got nothing to feel sick over. Right. Meaning you've got to be thorough. Mm-hmm. You've got to be as thorough as you can be. And so that's why in step five, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs, mm-hmm. that's why that word is there. Mm-hmm. It's not the vague nature of our wrongs. <laughs> it is the exact nature of our mm-hmm. wrongs. Can't lean can, on that enough. You can take comfort in the fact that the person who you're, who you're telling these things to, your sponsor, has done this with yes. someone else about their own stuff. And that they also, that they have their own stuff. Yeah. That they're a fuck up just like you. Right. So there's no judgment. No. And that's why you have to do it with a sponsor who's in the program too. You can't just like pick a buddy and be like, hey, will you quote unquote be my sponsor? Yeah. Will you quote unquote do the steps with me? Yeah. If somebody has not been down the same road that you've been down, the, there's not that feeling of 
understood implicit trust between you and mm-hmm. them, which might lead you to hold some stuff back. Yeah. Right? Because like, we do screwed up stuff, mm-hmm. those of us who have gotten to this low point in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason it was so low. Yeah. <laughs> because we did some pretty messed up things to try to wrest control of our out of control lives. Yes. And those things that we did, those behaviors, like they could be really shameful feeling to talk about mm-hmm. if we were sharing them with someone who hadn't also done them. Right. That's that's why it's so critically important to talk about these these behaviors with someone else who is also engaged in these sorts of behaviors, right. you know? Because that way there's no shame because you just have this intuitive trust yes. with the person that they just understand and they won't judge you. Right. Because- They've been there. They've been there. They've, they've, they're just like you. Yeah. That's why we do programs, yeah. right? That's why there's the group. Right. Because people in the group understand each other. Right. And if you understand somebody on that fundamental level, mm-hmm. then you can do the work. Mm-hmm. There's this, again, AA, million sayings. <laughs> Another one of them is, AA is the only place in the world where I can watch walk into a room full of strangers and reminisce. Yeah. <laughs> right? And it's a fun, jokey way of saying it, but it's deadly serious at, yeah. the, at the, uh, like the underbelly of that saying because mm-hmm. what it means is like, you can literally walk into a meeting anywhere in the world and know that the people there understand you in an immediate and intuitive way. Yeah. And that goes for any program. My program is AA, mm-hmm. you know? I can walk into an NA program because I did a lot of narcotics too. I relate mm-hmm. to that. I can walk into a, mm-hmm. a, to a, any room for either of those programs and any single person in that room will intuitively know who I am. Yeah. And that's really comforting and reassuring, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so when you share your stuff with your sponsor, they not only have that baseline of commonality of understanding, mm-hmm. but have already done the work of freeing themselves of the shame of it. Yeah. And so that's just a really safe landing. It's a really best case scenario for unburdening your stuff that Mm -hmm. you've probably literally never told another person. Yeah. Oh my gosh, for sure. You know, Mm -hmm. because it's usually like your most shameful secrets. Yep. So that's step five. Right on. That's how you do it. You got to be fearless. You got to be thorough. Uh, That's it. You got to, you got to admit to God, to our, to yourself, to another human being, the exact nature of your wrongs. Mm -hmm. That's it. Exact. Mm -hmm. So moving on. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. We were entirely ready. Yeah, it doesn't say we. Yeah, I know, but it, yeah. it makes more sense to me to hear. Yes, <laughs> we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know how I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that like there's not that many action steps and there's a bunch of steps where it's just like you're starting to get ready to do something. <laughs> yeah, preparing to start to get ready to be ready. Fixing. Yeah. yeah. Fixing to prepare. <laughs> so this is a fixing to prepare mm-hmm. kind of step. Uh, and you know, this I, I think of these in my mind as being like checkpoint steps, mm-hmm. you know, where you're just checking in. Mm-hmm. Because when you're doing a process like this, mm-hmm. like... It's kind of, it's, it's intense. Yeah. And it's heavy. Mm-hmm. It can be, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, there's a lot of joy in it, but also like it's pretty deadly serious. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about some pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about like literally all your worst secrets that you feel shame about. I mean, yeah. that's really like hard. Yeah. So it's, I think, really healthy and good that they built in these little checkpoints. Yeah. Where you just like, you're just talking it through. You're just, that that's yeah. what you're doing that day with your sponsor. That, that When you're meeting that day for step six, you're just talking over the idea like of being ready yeah. to have the universe help you remove these defects of character, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And you'll note that I just subbed the universe for God because again, it's not a monotheistic Christian yeah. deity. Yeah. I can't say it enough, people. It's just a placeholder yeah. word, okay? Uh, so we're ready. To, we're, we're ready. We really, in this step, 
just need to get our head around mm-hmm. the idea that we can accept that, mm-hmm. that like that we can let go of control enough for something good to happen mm-hmm. to us. But- I think about it like a like if you're driving on the highway and you're going to need to take an exit, mm-hmm. you know, and it's the road sign that says the exit that you want, you know, Main Street exit one mile. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, I'm and now I need to just I'm preparing myself to be ready for that exit. So. Whatever I need to do, get to the right lane, put my blinker on, (laughs) prepare to make that turn. You know what I mean? But it's just, it's like, it is, like you said, it's a checkpoint. It's a, it's a, it's an easing into it. Like you don't just turn right away, (laughs) you know, like, like it's, it's getting yourself prepared for that. Yeah. Being, becoming open to it, you know, like it's, it's an opening yourself for this eventual thing that you that's going to happen. And it's also even like getting your head around the idea. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. step six and step seven, and we'll get to step seven in a sec. They go together. Uh, Step six and and step seven are very much just around the idea of just making mental shifts, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. because one really common thing with people who are built like us is that we're very, self-protective, which means we're very resistant to change. Oh, yeah. And we're very resistant to the idea that anything could help us, that anything could be better. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of us have just made peace with our really shitty quality of life. Right. And just we've kind of talked ourselves into the idea that like it'll probably just be like that forever. And at least I know what it is. The devil you know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And this is really reorienting your thinking to the idea that like what if they're actually could be a different way. Like, what if I didn't have to feel like this for the rest of my life? What if I didn't have to respond in these unhealthy ways that I've made a list of yeah. <laughs> how I've done it before? What if I don't have to do it that way anymore? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really it's like- kind of, it's, an, it's embracing a possibility, really. Yeah, it's I like think a, that's right. It is, it is acknowledging that a different way is possible for you. Like, you could do it differently. Yeah. What if? What if? Yeah. And so then you proceed to step seven, which Mm -hmm. is humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Him being God of our own understanding. Yeah. Yeah. The universe, that tree, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think honestly that like, if they had been able to like write a lot of these things in passive voice, maybe it would have almost been better. Like ask for our shortcomings to be removed. Cause really right. the focus is on us. It's not who's right. doing it. It's that it happens, right. you know? But the point is, again, it's not something that we're going to like control our way through. Mm. It's something where we're just going to be doing the work. We're doing the work of doing these steps in order, mm-hmm. in the way that the person who is mentoring us through them is showing us how to do them. Mm. And we're not trying to control the process. Mm-hmm. We're just going to go through it. Right. It's letting go. Yeah. It's really, this is a letting go, I think. There's lots of letting go yeah. <laughs> in the program, but yeah. like, this is a letting go. This is a, this is a, a deciding that um, you don't want those old ways yeah. and asking for them to be taken from you letting, and, and, and letting go of them. Yeah, because if someone removes something, that means you can no longer have it, which right. means you have to let go of it. Right. Yeah, this is the the most explicit letting go step of all of the steps to Mm -hmm. me, you know? Mm -hmm. There's another active one coming up, Mm -hmm. but to me, this is almost in some ways, like it's it's such a crucial part of it. It's easy to overlook it because it's so simple. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. And you think about it, it's like, well, what am I doing? Like a little prayer or something? Was it going to take 30 seconds? Mm -hmm. But it's 
it's kind of the final piece of the mental shift because it's really the ultimate like acknowledgement that you really have been thinking about it and you are willing to to let these things go. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And that's really hard because yeah. these are like, we clutch onto our coping mechanisms. Yeah. Because that's what's gotten us through all of our pain and trauma. There's a reason why we have them as coping mechanisms because they worked for us for some short period of time in our lives. Like we developed them because we needed them for survival at some point. And then they stuck around and they became things that just weren't serving us at all anymore. But we've clutched onto them because at some point in our brains, we got the message that we needed this coping mechanism to survive whatever it is we were surviving. Yeah. It might not have been perfect. It might have even been bad. Yeah. But it was, again, it was like the devil we know. Exactly. Exactly. So it's really, yes, it is, it is like, why would you want to clutch to, you know, cling on to your shortcomings? Why would you want to keep those around? Well, because. Because they're familiar. Yeah. Because you know them. Yeah. Yeah. And the unknown. (laughs) Terrifying. Is unknown and that's scary. So that's kind of the distinction between step six and seven, Mm -hmm. right? Step six is like, like getting yourself to the place mentally where you are ready mm. to have your character defects removed. Mm. And then step seven is actually asking the question, uh, please remove my shortcomings. Mm. Come on, universe. Let's do, mm-hmm. let's do, I'm ready. Let's, let's do, this. do this. Yeah. It's a, let's do this step. Yeah. Um, you know, they're very simple steps are easy to breeze by. Um, but a good sponsor will spend a week on each one, mm. you know? I mean, it's not like you're, you know, doing 40 hours at it. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's good not to, like, blow through both of them in an afternoon and get right to step eight. Oh, yeah. It's really good. Spend like, time with these ideas. Yeah. There's reading that goes with each of them, mm-hmm. like, in the big book. And it's really good. Like, this is, it's good reading to spend some time with. And there'll be some journaling that you do mm-hmm. when you do these steps mm-hmm. also, you know? It's really, it's like... You, you, and the journaling takes the shape of like, what does this mean to me? Mm-hmm. You know? And then you explore that. You talk it through with your sponsor. Like mm-hmm. really talk through like your idea of what mm-hmm. it means to like be ready to have God, mm-hmm. the universe, that tree, remove all these mm-hmm. defects of character. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, and like really, like you can share your experience and then you can listen to your sponsor's experience too and get maybe their perspective yeah. on, like their more seasoned perspective on what it meant to them. For sure, for sure. And because these are such kind of vague steps, they're not, they're not vague, they're specific, but there's not a real, there's not a specific action item tied to either of them. They're really more, like you said, mindset sort of mm-hmm. steps. Like the whole point is, figuring out what that means for you. And that just takes contemplation. Yeah, And that's where the, the reading and the journaling and the letting your thoughts drift toward what does it mean to have my character defects removed? Like having your thoughts drift toward that when you're like shampooing your hair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just, it, it takes time to, uh, to figure out what that means for you because, you know, like in a religious context, people would prescribe you, well, you got to go to the priest and you got to confess and then you got to do seven Hail Marys or whatever. And that's what you do. It's a step. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is not that. This is this is you having to kind of like fill in what that looks like. It's not someone yeah. going to tell you like that there's a recipe for how to accept or be ready to have your, your um, shortcomings removed. You know, like the the contemplation is you figuring out what that means for you. Yeah. Like how how what the mechanics of that are going to be for you mm-hmm. um, because there's not it's not 
it's just not so cut and dried. It as as like a if, if if it's the God of your own understanding, you have to come to an understanding of how this God is going to remove these things from your life too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you gotta kind of like think about that. Yeah. Ponder. What does that mean? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you don't have to do to do it alone. Like that's right, what your right. sponsor's for. Right. So that's, uh, that's step seven, six and seven. They kind of are like a little pair. Um, and that brings us to, uh, to step eight. Mm-hmm. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. That's kind of like two in one. They really did two in one. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> probably at a certain point, you know, one of them was like, God, we have a lot of becoming willings, Bob. And can can we, we combine this? Also, if we split this into two, we're going to end up with 13 steps and people think that's an unlucky number. So, yeah. yeah. No good. <laughs> yeah. So, it's funny, right? So, the list of all persons we had harmed, it's just, your four step list. Yeah. That list of all the, that you made in step four of all the people that you're feeling resentful toward. Or that there's some unresolved between, cause you might mm-hmm. not even have resentment toward them. Maybe you actually did something terrible to yeah. them. <laughs> what, whatever you know? it is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone, anyone that's on that four step list, yeah. it's the same list. Yeah. So it's funny. It's like, it's not even really making a list. You kind of already have the list. (laughs) Right, right, right. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, but you still like, it's really important to write Mm -hmm. it out again, Mm -hmm. you know, because what you're about to do is, well, you're going to go make amends to them. But right but right now, in this step, you're just becoming willing to do that. And that is a really, that's a big deal too. Yeah. Like we're being jokey about it. Yeah. But it's another one of those things, like just writing out the list of all these people and contemplating the idea that you are going to go to them hat in hand mm-hmm. and make a sincere and unqualified apology for mm-hmm. whatever you did mm-hmm. or whatever that interaction was, whatever your part was. That's that can be really, really nerve wracking. Oh yeah, for a variety of different reasons. For sure. Like if it's an ex, you may have to get in touch with an ex. Well, that sucks. If mm-hmm. it is, I mean, maybe you got a good relationship, but maybe you don't. A lot of us don't. A lot of us who are in this type, type of situation have wreckage. Yeah. You know, have ex wreckage, um, and you got to get in touch with them. Probably. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you might have stolen from an employer. Well, you're going to have to reach out to that person, mm-hmm. and maybe they didn't know. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, there's a lot of reasons to be really nervous about this, which is why you don't careen into it. That's why there's that second (laughs) half of becoming willing to make amends to them all, right? Right. And sometimes, no joke, the the becoming willing to make amends to everyone on this list part takes a month or two months Mm -hmm. for people sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can take a really, really, really long time. Mm. You know, there's certain inflection points in the steps where if someone's gonna like just get overwhelmed and quit or be like, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't do it, I'm out. Mm -hmm. It's right here. Mm -hmm. Like eight and nine. It's a really, really biggie because like it's all, it's all real easy to like, you know, think about things on your own. You know, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. You know, step five, whoa, sharing, sharing with somebody else. A little scary, but it's just one person that's my sponsor and I've already been doing steps with him this far and everything seems cool. So, okay, it's scary, but I think I can do it. But now going out to a whole bunch of other people in your life, many of whom may not feel favorably toward you. Right. Hat hat in hand. And may not give one damn that you're in recovery. No. May still, may not receive you well. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that here's, this is, this is where I think that it becomes a trip up. I mean, that's really a scary proposition, but like from a, from the shame context, Mm -hmm. it feels like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be so ashamed. Yeah. 
to to say out loud to this person, I'm sorry for doing such and such to you. Yeah. You know. Especially like what, if they didn't even know it. Right. But like the like the I the fear of potential shame. Yeah. The irony of this. The fear of that potential shame may keep some people from not doing it, thereby increasing the internal shame oh, no. that you continue and continue carrying. The the flip side is like it's just it's like this it's like reverse psychology stuff. Yes, the, it's it's hard. It's hard to do this step or the next step, but yeah. it's hard to become willing because of the fear of that 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 exercise of confronting yeah. real human beings Especially with this Especially when it's an unknown. But that is the thing that releases your shame. Yeah. The thing that you think is going to bring you more shame is actually the thing that releases your internal shame. And that is like the whole point of this exercise. Yeah. So you're really talking at this point about step nine. So I'm let's getting, and, I am getting there. But yeah. like, but the, the get, what I'm saying is the being willing to do that. Yeah. Like, that's the stuff you're fearing in your the, mind. Exactly. And that's what you have to get over. That's my point. So let's go to step nine. Okay. Uh, step nine. And this is really the biggie. This is really the entire crux in a certain way of this program, mm -hmm. right? Of the 12 steps. Mm -hmm. Step nine, made direct amends to such people. So again, that means all persons we had harmed. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others, mm. right? So, uh... Let's just break this into parts and talk mm -hmm. about the parts. So first of all, made direct amends to all persons we had harmed wherever possible, mm -hmm. right? So direct amends, what does that mean? Well, first of all, what it means is you're not sending an email, you're <laughs> not texting them, you're not uh, calling them on the phone typically unless like they're out of state and you have to, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But like if it's a relative and you're gonna see them in nine months for Christmas, it's better to wait nine months and do it in person, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, well, unless like you're on fire and you got to do it, yeah, like, just, yeah, yeah. It really, it, like it depends. Your sponsor will talk you through it. There's like also Zoom exists since you and I first entered the program. Yes, so. that's true. <laughs> it's so true. It's really true. But you know, uh, it would probably be better not to do Zoom too. You know? Yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean. You're like whenever possible, you want to be face to face mm -hmm. with the person you're making amends to. Because I mean, just as Zoom is pretty mm -hmm. good, but not a substitution for yeah, no, not I a know. real substitute for sharing energy with somebody like it's exactly this I know you know we're talking to listeners yeah yeah so it's the point is that you want I'm, like, I'm just agreeing with you okay yeah <laughs> so the point is that you want to do this face to face because there's no better way to share energy with people yeah right so made direct amends to such people wherever possible people we had harmed right mm -hmm. uh so you're going you're, you're going in person to every single person on your list. Like We're you're going on tour. It's an amends tour. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, you're going down the list and you're just like literally like reaching out to the person, calling and texting, being like, hey, yeah. I know that we haven't talked in four years, but I was wondering if we could meet for coffee. I've got something I was hoping to talk with you about, mm -hmm. you know? And, you're, and you don't like, you don't spoil it on the phone. Mm -hmm. Like you really don't. Like you try, mm -hmm. if it's at all possible. I mean, if they force it out of you, because again, like, there's no way of knowing how this is gonna go. They, they, no. they could be, they could not receive it well. And that's a whole, that's a part of this process, you know? Yeah. And it's actually a really important part of this process. And it's part of what you kind of work to get your head around in step mm -hmm. eight. Like if you got a good sponsor, they'll help talk you through this, this idea that like, again, we're dealing with our side of the street. Right. We're going up to that center yellow line. Whatever's on the other side of that yellow line, other side of the street, 
that's not your business. You mm-hmm. you can walk right up to that center line and the other person can meet you there or not. Right. They might just stay back at their door way past the line and like just give you the finger. They may not come there and, and hug you, you know? Yeah. Uh, you may not have a kumbaya moment about this. That's not the point. It's not the point. The point is that you're getting it out of you, that you are clearing the air, right? Because mm-hmm. even if you say it to the person, if you make your amends to the person mm-hmm. and they are like, you know what? Fuck you, man. Right. It doesn't matter. Right. Because is, you've done your part. You've gotten it out of you. That's all this is about is right. getting it out of you so you're not holding it anymore. This is not asking for forgiveness. No. It's not forgiveness. It's It's, removal. Yeah. It's removing it from you. You're not asking the person to do anything. No. It is not about them at all. So in fact, we should get into what are we asking? So what is an amends, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, so an amends, what what is an amends? Uh, It's not an apology. That's Mm -hmm. part of it, Mm -hmm. but that's not what it is, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people might be confused about that. Like you're you're not just apologizing. An amends has two parts. Mm -hmm. An amends is first, a direct and sincere apology. I mean, really what it is first, it's three things. Because first it's saying what you did. An acknowledgement. Yes, it's an acknowledgement. It's as direct as possible and as explicit as possible. Mm -hmm. Like using the language of step five, it's the exact nature of our wrongs. Mm -hmm. So like in step five, we admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, our sponsor, the exact nature of our wrongs. Well, now in step nine, we're admitting to the person we wronged the exact nature nature of our wrongs. We're not glossing over it. We're not trying to be quick. We're not alighting it. Mm -hmm. We are really leaning on it. We're we're sitting in it for a minute. Mm -hmm. We're really trying to clean it out as thoroughly as possible because this is the part, like this is where we're getting rid of the cancer. So we are making sure that we're not missing any cells. We are getting every single one of them. We're being as thorough as we possibly can be. Confessing our sins, really, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I shiver to hear that phrase because of the... Religious trauma in my yeah. own background. So confessing but, our sins, but like in a good, non-religious, not shitty way. Okay, I don't know. know. It still doesn't work for me. I, I need a whole other phrase. Yeah, <laughs> acknowledgement fair. is fine. Yeah, yep. acknowledgement. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, and so that's the first part is the acknowledgement. Then the second part is a sincere apology. Right? Mm-hmm. I am so sorry for the pain this must have caused you. I can really see how the way I acted would have caused someone pain. Mm-hmm. I am incredibly sorry for that. Mm-hmm. And I would like to know if there's anything I can do to make it better. And that's part three. That's part three, right? And that really is what makes it an amends. Uh, mm-hmm. An amends without asking what you can do to set it right mm-hmm. is just an apology. And we're not doing apologies. Mm-hmm. We're doing amends. Mm-hmm. And it's and, and really, like, the, the being willing, right? And it goes mm-hmm. back to willingness. It goes back to this idea that you want this removed from you. You want this defective character removed. Well, if you unpack this, right? If you go back a little bit, like, well, why were, why were you doing the behavior that caused you to hurt this person? It's because you were trying to feel better. It's because it was a coping mechanism, mm-hmm. right? It's because you were covering up for some kind of shame or some problem inside of you. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't ask what you can do to make it better for them, then what you're doing is you're still holding on to a little bit of that shame inside of you. It's by being willing to do anything that you can do to to help that person to make it right. Mm -hmm. That's what gets the shame out of you. That's what it is. That's what's so crucial about it. That's why it's an amends that gets the shame out of you. And here's an important, I think, distinction. An amends isn't for the other person. Mm -mm. It's for you. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not for them. The point is 
like you said, to get every last bit of that tumor excised from your body. Yep. It is, it is the thing that you do to get yourself healthy. Yes. It's not for that person. And, and because it's not for that person, we've touched on this, a person's reaction does not matter. No. Their response does not matter. And I don't, and like, it's, I think it's really important to say that like, this isn't like an abstract idea. Like it doesn't matter, but then you feel like shit. And so it actually does. I will tell you from my mm. own personal experience, having made amends where mm. the person was not receptive. Like mm. I had such a long list. I was, I was bound not to get a hundred percent hit rate. You know what I mean? <laughs> I definitely had a couple of people who were like, that's fine, but really still fuck you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's fine. That's fair. Like, yeah. Like I had people on that list that I had really like done some nasty things to. Mm. And I totally understand that they didn't want to hear from me, mm -hmm. that they were not stoked to hear from what me. What was that experience like for you? I'll tell you what, in the moment, that experience was deflating and embarrassing. Mm. Mm -hmm. But I will, and, and I'll tell you what else. Mm. For the day or so after it, I felt bad about it. Mm. But then mm. in every one of those instances, and there were like three of them, mm -hmm. Uh, all of a sudden, I just realized a few days later that I didn't feel bad about it anymore. Wow. Because I had done what I could do. Right. And it was not on me anymore. Yeah. It was just, it, it was out of me. It had been removed from me. Hmm. That thing that I had asked to happen mm. in step seven, mm -hmm. where I had humbly asked for my shortcomings to be removed, mm. well, one had been removed. Right. From me. It had been taken out of me. Right. You know? And the way that mm. I know that it's the amends that made that change in me is because, well, think about how I'd thought about this person, how I'd felt about this person for the four years or whatever prior. Right. I had felt continually, every time I thought about him, embarrassed, mortified, yeah. shameful, yeah. afraid, yeah. fearful of seeing him in public. Yeah. And a couple of days after the amends, the amends that went badly, the ones where they told me to, to, get, yeah. to get bent, mm -hmm. like still a few days later, all of those feelings were lifted from me. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that shame anymore because mm -hmm. I didn't have to because I talked to them about it. Right. And it didn't matter how they felt about it. Right. Because I didn't need to do anything. I, it was out of me. Honestly, that's the best illustration. The, the ones that go sideways or that you think are going sideways are the best examples of why this works. Yes. Because it would be easy to think that, oh, well, you go make an amends and then someone's like, thank you so much for apologizing and yes, here's something simple you can do to make it right and, I'll, and now we'll be peaceful and yay, we're living in harmony again. Mm -hmm. Well, chances of that happening are low. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, with and, some people, it could really and, definitely happen. Sure, sure. But the point, but the, but but we could be fooled into thinking that having harmony with all these people is the point, oh. or that their blessing on us or their forgiveness of us is the thing that brings us healing. It's not. No, it totally isn't. Mm -mm. It, it is beside the point. Yeah. And it's a beautiful like bonus when you get to have that with somebody after, you know, somebody that you've wronged, if you get to have healing yeah. in that relationship. And people you do a lot of the time, just yes. to be clear. And But the thing is, the thing is that the healing of the relationship is not the point of your recovery. No, it's, it's a nice bonus if it works out. Exactly. Because in any relationship, like you said, you know, there's a yellow line in the middle and you only get to do your, you know, you, you can only keep your side of the street clean. You yeah. know, you can only do your part if that other person wants to meet you in the middle and heal the relationship and move forward, great. But that's not the point of recovery. No. The point of recovery is to get all the bad stuff outside of you. You're just doing your side. Yeah. Because there's two sides and you can't control the other side. Yes. And here's something also, oh. like I had one of those situations where like in the moment in 2004 when I did my first amends, I had, there, was, there were some people who really didn't want to hear from me and were not super receptive. Right. 
But like a couple years later, mm. one of those people came to me mm. and was like, hey, mm-hmm. I wasn't really in a place a couple of years ago where I could really hear that, mm-hmm. but I've done some work on myself mm. and now I'd like to talk mm-hmm. with you about that. And because I know that- like people have their own processes too. Like right. they're not just like these empty vessels, perfect people with perfectly clean right. sides of the street right. just waiting for me to get my act together. Right. Other people are messy too. Yeah. Everyone's got their own complicated life. Yeah. Yeah. And just because they may not be in a place to receive you, it's nothing to do with you, mm-hmm. literally. It's just them. Yeah, and there are going to be some people who aren't willing to have that conversation at all or they are not willing to be in touch with you, period. And you don't get an opportunity to do that. And that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a situation in your life just a few years ago where you got to make an amends, like, was it 12 years later? 15 years later uh, to somebody that you hadn't been in touch with for a very long time who did not want to hear from you when you first got sober. But then you had an opportunity to do it like years and years later to make your amends. Very important person in my life. Yeah. Yeah, it was more like, it was like, Closer to twenty years. Was it okay? It was, it was <laughs> I, really predating my, when I got sober. I'm you know, bad what I mean? at math in my head. But so. no, it was a really, really long time. Yeah, it was such a long time. Yeah, and I, and and now we're good friends again. Yeah, yeah. Like it was a really important person in my life, and like went I went from like not feeling like being having been explicitly told, please don't be in touch with me, to like having an open text conversation. Yeah. It's a big deal. It's lovely. You know, mm-hmm. these things will happen on their own time. Mm. The important point is like, it's not about the outcome at all. Mm. It's about the process. Mm-hmm. It's about the doing it. It's about getting it out of Gosh. you and just like letting go of control and then letting it be what it will be. Yes. It, so much of what I feel like I have learned in recovery is to let go of outcomes. Mm-hmm. That is a, that's been a big part of it. And this is part of that, right? Like yeah. I just have to, I just am responsible for doing what I know I'm supposed to do Yeah, to be true to myself and to do what I need to do for my own healing and the outcomes be damned. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, so much of my codependency is about was about controlling outcomes. Yeah. I want this outcome, so therefore I'm gonna manipulate this way and people please that way to get to what I need. Mm-hmm. And this is just a massive uh exercise in releasing outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, yeah. really true. So uh I think this is a great place to stop because that's just that's a that's a chunk of steps right there. Five, yeah. six, seven, eight, and nine. Ten, eleven, and twelve are a set. They're a they're a mm-hmm. set of steps. They're called the maintenance steps. Mm-hmm. Uh and that merits its whole own uh separate conversation, I think. Mm. So why don't we call it here for today? Okay. So next time we will uh resume with steps uh 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Also, um, I we f- failed to mention this at the beginning of the podcast what? today that three years ago this week, we launched this podcast. Ah, that's right. <laughs> which means we are technically in season four Whoa. now of the Misfit Stars podcast. Happy birthday, us. Happy birthday to us. Uh, so thank you to those of you who've been listening for three years. Wow, so We're this is- starting year four. SO4EO1. That's right. Dang. Um, and so this mini series is gonna straddle two seasons, which uh, the sort of like neat freak in my mind is freaking out about. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's But funny. it's okay. I can deal. I can handle it. Um, so, because I like things to be neat, but it's okay. The miniseries spans But it's not a seasonally seasons. based podcast. I know. We're counting two I different know. timelines here. I know. I'm just being honest about what I'm processing here. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know it's nerdy and dumb. But uh, yeah, welcome to season four of wow. the Misfit Stars podcast, uh, where next week we will continue with our working through the steps. Mm-hmm. We'll finish up the steps next week. And uh, I can't wait. It'll be fun. Thank yeah. you so much for today. This was great. Yeah, right on. You too. Uh, people, if you're listening to this with some curiosity about sobriety or recovery and you want someone to talk with about it, we are both available for that. You could message either one of us, whichever one you feel more comfortable messaging. I am Jamie at MisfitStars.com. Shannon is Shannon at MisfitStars.com. While you're at it, hit her up for a personal song. (laughs) All good. Hey, want info about a personal song? Also, think about getting sober. (laughs) Great. That's fine. She can send you all the info. Yeah. Um, I got to write a personal song this week uh, for somebody who's been through recovery. Yep. And then, and, and the sort of um, some of the spiritual concepts in recovery were an important part of the song. Yes, they were. <laughs> I just mixed that song this afternoon. It's a great song. Beautiful yeah, song. So good. Um, Way to tie it all together, sweetheart. Well, thank you. I mean, you were going there. I had to go there too. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Yes. Thank you for being with us today, for spending some of your day with us. We'll be back again next week uh, with more good stuff. And until then, do you have anything else to say? Well, I was just going to say, if you're in the United States, uh, happy Thanksgiving, first of all. Mm-hmm. And second of all, you know, it's a holiday. And it's a family holiday, can be. Uh, holidays can be really triggering uh, for people with sobriety and recovery issues. Yeah. So, you know, if you're built like that, like really just like look out for yourself a little bit extra this mm-hmm. week and, you know, the next four weeks after. I mean, really this kind of right around now, right around this week sort of starts a really pretty difficult time for a lot of people in recovery or mm-hmm. people who aren't recovery but maybe should be, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's... It's a triggering time of year for a lot of different reasons for a lot of different people. If this is you and you need someone to talk with, uh, I am always available for that. I know Shannon is too. I definitely talk with a whole lot of either sober people or people who maybe should be sober around the holidays. I'm, I'm here for it, you know, and you don't have to be sober to talk with me. Like if you're just struggling and you want to talk with someone who knows what it's like to struggle in that way, uh, I'm here for that. You can message me on Facebook. That's a great place for that. Or hit me up on my email, uh, jamie at misfitstars.com. Cool. So with that all said, I do hope that you have a happy Thanksgiving. And I yeah. hope that you're one of the people who isn't burdened by it, by, but who just finds it to be a joyous time and that you have something good to do and, and that it's good. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will be back next week. Until then, take care of yourselves and be good to each other. Yes, we love you. We'll all. see you soon. Bye.